Welcome to the Neshama Project Podcast. This is Rabbi Ben Newman. Today we're going to be continuing our study of the lower seven sefirot, the lower seven emanations from the infinite, from Ein Sof. These are forces that are active in the universe, but also active in the human psyche. They're present in everything and everyone. Each week during the seven-week period of the Omer, from the days between Passover, which is the holiday of our freedom, and Shavuot, which is the holiday where we receive revelation, each week we concentrate on another one of these qualities, another one of these emanations. This week we're concentrating on the Sphira of Yesod, which means foundation. Uh, sometimes Yesod is also known as Tzadik, which means the righteous one or righteousness. This Sphira is often equated with the ancestor Joseph and is also brought up in reference to a verse from Proverbs 10.25, when the storm passes, the wicked one is gone, but the righteous is an everlasting foundation. Tzadik, which means the righteous, Yesod, foundation, Olam, of the world. Uh, and that word, you can see that word for the Sfira, Yesod, is right there in that verse. Uh, often the rabbis and the Kabbalists will take two verses or two, two words that are together within a verse and they will uh, equate their meanings with each other. So this is an example, Tzadik and Yesod. Another example is the word Reshit, which means beginning and the Sphira of Chokhmah, wisdom, uh, because of the verse Reshit Chokhmah, Hirat Hashem, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of Hashem. But uh, this particular sphera is related for this reason to the quality of tzaddik or the righteous one. I'm going to be reading from three texts today. One is from the book Ehiyeh, A Kabbalah for Tomorrow by Rabbi Dr. Arthur Green. Another is going to be from one of the writings of Hillel Zeitlin, the early 20th century neo-Hasidic thinker. And the third will be from Rachel Pollock, the modern uh, occultist, uh, poet, author. So let's start with the text from Hillel Zeitlin. It's very short. It's in the context of an introduction to all of the Svirot, and he concentrates a lot more on the next Svira, which is Malchut, which is also known as Shekhinah, the presence of God that's in the world. But here's what he says about Yesod. Yesod is fulfillment of it all, the concretization of divine power, reality. This is not the reality we see with the eyes of the flesh, but a spiritual cosmic reification of the divine 
We'll see over and over this theme of Yesod that it's really about uh, creation, procreation. It's about bringing whatever it is that you're creating into the world, but it's also about balance of masculine and feminine elements. Um, in many ways, Yesod is one of the Sfirot that transcends gender, transcends masculine and feminine, and integrates both elements. So now we'll read from Rabbi Dr. Arthur Green. He writes, The synthesis of Netzach and Hod, Moses and Aaron, transforming prophet and accepting priest, is Tzadik, the righteous one who lives within us. This is Joseph, the son and direct successor of Jacob, now refined by resolving this new struggle between transformation and acceptance. The ninth sphira, the synthesis of the second inner struggle, is tzaddik in a sense that I would here translate as rectifier that one who rectifies or sets straight the course. This redirected, straightened course has been through the excess zeal of Netzach, often exemplified by youth in which everything is going to be made perfect, tempered by the wisdom and appreciativeness of Hod. It is ready to become the foundation, Yesod in Hebrew, a frequently found name for this rung, of stable personality. This stage represents a new fullness of, or maturity of personal development. It is the balanced self after another round of testing, the one who knows where to strive and where to accept limits. It represents shalom, the wholeness of inner peace. In theory, this synthesis, too, could become a new thesis, calling forth yet another opposite and another resolution, and so on, ad infinitum. The dialectic is an unending process. So too is the task of inner growth, the challenging and refining of human personality. But the point has already been made and once is enough. A tenfold model has a simple perfection about it that would be lost if we were to carry it further. The first nine sfirot thus represent three triads, one describing the primal process out of which personhood, both divine and human, is born, followed by the two triads of tension and resolution, taking us to the place of peace. Life energy is endlessly coursing through this pattern, binding the sphirot together into a single whole. This is the energy that will flow from God into the world, allowing all creatures to exist as varied manifestations of the single one. Before the border can be crossed from oneness into multiplicity, however, that energy must be received into the great and transformative storehouse of being, represented by the final link in the inner divine process, God as Shekhinah, or Abundant Presence. So that's what Rabbi Dr. Arthur Green has to say. I'm going to now move on to Rachel Pollock. We move to the focal point of the final triangle, 
yesod, or foundation. The tree rests on this point, not malchut, for malchut receives the tree. Malchut is the place where everything comes to rest, the seventh day of creation where even God called an end to labor. Yesod is the sixth day, reserved for a special moment, the creation of humans. Male and female, God created them. Like Keter above, which contains all qualities, and Tiferet in the middle, which balances all, Yesod at the base brings together the male and female pillars with all their many variations. Yesod is imagination and myth and the unconscious, and in this realm, male and female do indeed mix together. Or we could say that they actually reunite, for in the unconscious, we are all divine hermaphrodites. Imagination is the attribute of Yesod, and we might describe the creation of humans as the supreme act of divine imagination. We humans exist fully in the physical world with all our needs and vulnerabilities and pleasures and hungers, and yet our souls reach beyond all this to perceive the divine love that fills all existence. Jewish and Christian teachings both describe humans as beyond the angels, for the angels dwell only in the spiritual realm, while humans live in both the spiritual and physical. In Christian myth, Lucifer the Lightbringer rebelled against God when told to humble himself before Adam. We have stressed that retelling the Bible stories does not suggest in any way that people should take the description of the six days as a literal statement of how the world and humanity came into being. We need to think Kabbalistically, that is, in metaphors that open the way to divine knowledge. The literal, the pshat, first letter of pardes, paradise, pshat, remez, drash, sod, should not control our knowledge, but open the door to the other three levels. To take the literal Bible statements as reality means to live only in Malchut, only in the narrowest physical reality, without imagination, without Yesod and all that comes above it. This is the mistake Adam made, to take Malchut as the sum of existence. And the story of Adam is also a metaphor not historical fact. In Kabbalah, there is a great deal to learn and to study, even to memorize, but none of it will mean anything if we think of it on the same level as, say, a history of the Roman Empire. We need to enter the study the same way we enter the tree, through the gateway of the foundation of imagination. We need to study Kabbalah not as simple facts, but as revelations of what we might call the sacred imagination. We must become what archetypal psychologist Nor Hall calls imaginal scholars. Imagination here does not mean random flights of fancy. As the foundation, Yesod is a place of truth. The Zohar tells us that everything must return to its foundation. Everything that we think of as reality has its origin in the spiritual. And Yesod is the place of return. Henri Cobb Corbin, a philosopher and historian of Sufi traditions, created the term imaginal to distinguish it from imaginary. Imaginary means whatever is not real. Imaginal 
means a truth revealed through our ability to perceive a reality beyond the physical. Occult writers, especially Eliphas Levy and Madame Blavatsky, use the term astral plane to refer to this level of reality. The astral plane is a real place, as real as the room you are sitting in as you read this book or you hear me read this podcast. People can and do go there, and even meet there. The astral plane is Yesod, the entry to the higher levels. If this seems a little hard to comprehend, think of this book. What does it consist of? Wood pulp pages and ink? That is the book's existence on the physical plane. But where do the ideas exist? Do they exist in my mind, or do I create them? Do they exist in your mind as you read them? In the arrangement of the letters? If you lose this book, do the ideas vanish? Or, or do they exist somewhere on their own, independent of both of us? Israel Regardi calls Yesod the anima mundi, Latin for world soul, but he also uses the Jungian term collective unconscious. Yesod is the place of the moon, the planetary body closest to Earth, Malchut. In the Middle Ages and the Renaissance, people referred to ordinary existence as sublunar, below the moon, for they saw the moon as the first of the spheres that surrounded Earth, and thus the gateway to higher knowledge. The moon reflects the light of the sun, and so symbolizes the imagination's ability to reflect the light of spiritual truth. The moon governs all, governs all cycles, for it controls the tides, and itself goes through birth, growing, aging, death, and rebirth every month. This is what a month originally meant, a full cycle of the moon. The menstrual cycle of human women closely follows the moon. Other mammals do not do this, and so we get a clue that human beings live on earth but also in heaven. We can begin to sense the higher values when we attune ourselves to the constant ebb and flow of cycles, not just in menstruation with the moon or the tides, but the more subtle rhythms that move through life. In cycles we get glimpses of eternity. The moon's mysterious light awakens the unconscious. It stirs in us deep connections and instinctive glimpses of deep messages. We understand, even if we cannot explain it, that we belong to something larger than our narrow lives. Because we cannot explain these intuitions intellectually, we often express them as myths or dreams. We might describe a myth as a collective dream. The path to higher consciousness leads through the unconscious. If we think of the unconscious as below or inside normal consciousness, then to go up we must go down. This is the ancient truth of the Merkava, or chariot mystics, who spoke of their rise to the seven palaces, Hechalot, of heaven, as the descent of the, Mer or of the Merkava. Alan Moore says that we call this Svira Yesod, or foundation, because our spirituality is founded on imagination. And not just spirituality. To lose imagination would be a terrible thing because without it, we could not envision anything at all beyond what we see narrowly in front of us. Business people could not plan new ventures. No one could fall in love. Parents could not hope for a good life for their children. Imagination is the foundation of everything.
Through Yasod, our animal nature turns toward the divine. Perhaps we sacrifice something of ourselves to look upwards. Sacrifice is certainly a common theme in myth and ritual in religions the world over. We cannot do this, let go or rise upward, unless we can imagine an existence beyond the material. So those are our readings for today. I wish you a wonderful week of Yesod, a week of foundation, a week of imagination, a week of the imaginal realm, a week of transcendence to higher levels of reality. Take care, everybody. Until next time, this has been the Neshama Project Podcast. I'm Rabbi Ben Newman.